add Mrs. Wonderful to that list. My wife, who's a better soldier of Jesus Christ than I am, told me this afternoon she had the stomach flu. And uh, that's one person that if she says she's not feeling good, I just say, what do you need? Because she's more interested in being in church than I am, just to tell you the truth. And that's a good testimony to have. And I'll tell you what else is good to have, a church family that'll pray for each other. So I'm asking for prayer. She prays for you. So, uh, and she's not the only one, like the pastor said, and we need to pray for one another because of all the stuff that's going around. But there's always going to be something, and we just need to, you know, be where we're supposed to be if we can. And I appreciate people that are assembled here tonight. And uh, I've asked the Lord what to say tonight and each night, and I know Brother Cliff has. So uh, we trust you get a blessing uh, tonight. Take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we're going to open with verse 26, and uh, it says this, Acts chapter 8 and verse 26, this side's standing, this side's making it slowly, <laughs> don't worry, I'm confused too, don't worry. All right, and it says in, uh, in verse 26, it says, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Once again, Lord, we come to you in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray you'd manifest yourself uh, tonight amongst your people. We're here to hear from you. We're uh, under no misconception about that. Please just bless us with your presence, and uh, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may sit down. Are you hot? <laughs> well, you know, yes, no, no, I don't know. Always. You know, it's hotter up here than it is anywhere else. It just heat rises and the lights and everything. But uh, my wife is always cold and, and I'm usually warm and I'm, she's cold. And I said, why are you cold? She goes, you just spent an hour up there preaching and you got a wool suit on. And she, you know, so one time I heard a preacher say this. He said, oh, if you're in the congregation tonight and you're cold, raise your hand. And if you're hot, raise your hand. And he said, now change places with the that's about the way it is. You can't please everybody. Uh, Action 26, you've got a guy mentioned. Now, he's not mentioned a lot in your Bible, but he's mentioned right there. And uh, his name's Philip. All right, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, but I want you to go back to chapter 6. We're going to get first mention of this fellow named Philip. This, I really like him. You'll know why in a few minutes. Acts chapter 6 in uh, verse number 3. And let me make sure I mark the clock. I usually don't, but we got to be mindful of the time because Cliff and I could wear you guys out. I guarantee it. Amen. And we're not going to do that, right? Right? So I'm going to be mindful. So if he dragged you here till 1030, then it was him. Amen. Tonight. It might not be my turn, but we'll do it. Okay. Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, and it says, uh, Wherefore, brethren, look, out, uh, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we, may, whom, whom we may appoint over this business. And the business was ministering to widows, and there was contention, and that's not what I'm preaching on. But he said, uh, call ye out, uh, look ye out among ye seven men. Now, seven men. Hollywood has a, has a movie called The Magnificent Seven, right? And, uh, and just to be honest with you, about 30 years ago, they had a different one by the same name, and the old one was better, but, you know, for whatever that's worth. But 
As usual, Hollywood misses it by a million miles, a million trillion miles. These guys, these guys are, are, if you would use that word, uh, their credentials are full of the Holy Ghost. And that's my heroes right there. People that are full of the Holy Ghost. Because I was told by Brother Hanstein 30 years ago, you need to find somebody more spiritual than yourself and hang out with them, maybe some of it will some, some rub off, which uh, that was just about everybody in the church, and to be honest, probably still is. So, amen, I need to be around people that are full of the Holy Ghost, don't you? If you don't think so, you really need it. You might need to be saved. But it says this in verse 5. Now, we're talking about these seven men, and it says this, uh, and, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, uh, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, there he is again, and uh, this is first mentioned, and uh, Prochorus, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte, proselyte of, of Antioch. And uh, so I was trying to make sure I wanted to say those names right, and, uh, and, uh, and so I, I'm just glad tonight that I have a self-pronouncing Bible, because I wondered about you know, uh, 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 Timon, for example, is it Timon? And I have a, and I looked and uh, and uh, I was glad, and it showed me how to how to say it. Say, well, what's a self-pronouncing Bible? Well, you got to be real quiet, but if you listen real good, it'll tell you how to, to <laughs> say it. Really, I'm testing the water here, brother Cliff. It might be a long night. I'm not sure. Amen. But Philip is one of the seven. All right. So this is first mentioned. Now he's not the most famous. Of the seven. He's not the most famous. That would be Stephen. And uh, Stephen, uh, chapter uh, seven, he made his uh, 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 big splash in the ministry. And it was a very short ministry, about one chapter, ended badly, I guess, or ended pretty good, really. He went to the right place, but they stoned him for having the guts to take a stand for Jesus Christ. So when they call out these seven men, these men, uh, they've got some uh, backbone about them. Amen. Amen. And some courage. And that all comes from the Holy Ghost. And it says they're full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And the Bible says fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I'm not near as impressed by degrees on a wall or credentials as I am a person that believes that book. I really am. Uh, the most impressive people that I've ever known in my 70 years in about three weeks, uh, amen, uh, uh, I've been people that, were, that believed, studied, tried to live by that book. Those are the people that have impressed me the most, more than the greatest Navy SEAL or et cetera. Amen. And I respect all that stuff. But I'll tell you what, man, God has put his hand on that book and called some men and women, too, to live according to that book. And I stand back and I look at the world that I was in way too long. And I look at some of these people that have taken a stand. And uh, it's not as easy as it sounds or easy as it looks. And I respect it. And my heroes are uh, God's people. Amen? You better amen that or I'll say it all again. I'll start from, yeah, that's it. That's how you get them going. Uh, Look down in verse uh, uh, chapter 21. Now we're in Acts and we're going to see Philip show up again in verse eight. And the Bible says this, and the the next day, uh, we that were of Paul's company, that'd be the company to be in. 
Well, except for when they're stoning him. But that'd be, that's the crowd you want to run with right there. It says, uh, and this is people that are doing something for God. So, and the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and we entered into the house of, what does it say? Philip. The evangelist, here he is, which was one of the seven. No, no uh, 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 confusion about this, not a different Philip. This is one of those seven that they chose out in Acts chapter 6. They went to his house. Some evangelists have houses. Amen. Some don't, but Philip did. Philip's the only guy in your entire Bible particularly designated as an evangelist, the evangelist. We're all supposed to do the work of an evangelist, but this is why I like this guy, because he is the evangelist. When I uh, married Mrs. Wonderful 25 years ago in April, because your pastor was an usher at our wedding, and people came because they could not believe that Susan Hanstein would marry Dave Spurgeon, and I'll be the first to tell you, boy, I got her at a weak moment. I've asked her at different times to our ministry. I said, I don't know what you did in a past life to get sons to being married to me, but even I got the better end of that deal. I'll tell you right there. Well, I married way up, and you say, you're just saying that because she's not here. No, probably not, amen, but I am confident she's not live streaming because, well, you don't want to go there with me, but amen. So we're talking about Philip, and uh, Philip started out, he's the evangelist, we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 8, but it, it's worthy of note that he started out pretty humbly, I mean, he was full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, and he got called on, he got trusted on to do a very common thing. And we like to say, serve tables, you know, wait tables. It was a little more to it than that. Uh, they called out them seven men to help them apostles minister to a dispute between the Hebrews and the Grecians over the widows. In other words, the things that go on in a local church, that's the normal stuff, it's always been that way. Christians can get all hung up in things that are so far from the main thing. And I'm not saying that to put anybody down. I'm just saying that's human nature. Amen. So it's nothing new. People get, oh, they left me. Well, John chapter 6, they left Jesus Christ. You know, this, we just got to keep going anyway. Amen. Amen. So, so he started out uh, serving tables. Now, I'm an evangelist. I've been in evangelism full time. Uh, uh, March will be 26 years. All right, so let me give you a little backstory. I got saved in the Montgomery County Jail in 1990. Uh, I made bond a month later, and uh, I was on a pre-sentence investigation on federal charges, and uh, I just came to church. I came to church all the time. Brother Mike said, you need to go to Bible Institute. And it isn't because anybody thought I was ever going to, like, pass a course. They just... You know, they knew it'd keep me from going places I shouldn't go. So I got it. I understood that. Uh, I spent a lot of time at the church. I'd go to the church for everything. I went to prayer meetings. I went to every service. I went to Sunday school. I mean, if I got to get up anyway, you know, what's another hour? And uh, I learned a few things. I learned a few things. And uh, by the first camp meeting, which I didn't know what that meant, and, uh, but they had a camp meeting in July of 1991, I'm about halfway through a pre-sentence investigation, getting ready to go to prison, already pled guilty, do seven years federal, and, uh, and they're going to have this meeting, they're going to have preaching at daytime and preaching at night, and I'm, you know, my, the guy I worked for, John Strong, you guys know him, uh, he also went to the church, so I got off, they let me, because they knew I need as much of this as I could get, and I listened to preaching, and I mean like six, seven preachers a day. 
And then midweek there, one night, uh, probably toward the middle of the week, maybe Wednesday, I went forward at an altar. I went forward at an altar call, and uh, I laid my life on that altar. If you follow what I'm trying to say, I just surrendered. I mean, I had a federal judge telling me through the probation department that I need to get a job. I need to get a job, you know, uh, and uh, I was a bike gang guy. Okay, so job, you know, but, uh, and I'm thinking, Lord, everything I'm good at is like highly illegal. <laughs> How am I going to get a job? And so I got no better sense. And when I went to the altar, I said, Lord, if, if, I got to learn something. If, if you let me work for you, I, I'm just, I'm willing. And I didn't surrender to anything. In other words, I've been down to Pensacola. I've been in other places where guys come up, Brother Burgeon, I've, I'm surrounded. I want to be an evangelist. And I think, you're out of your mind. And uh, I want to be a youth pastor. And I want to be. And people figure out what they want to do. And then they surrender to it. I don't think that's surrender if you ask me. When I say I didn't surrender to anything particular, I surrendered to anything God would have me to do. Now, I just not, never had any better sense than that. When uh, my, my way of thinking is when you get involved in something, you get in all the way. And so, uh, so Brother Etep, uh, he, he asked me about a year later when I ended up not going to prison and getting probation, he asked me to be the usher. Not an usher, the usher. Because when I'm standing at the back door, you only need one guy. Amen. I greeted people, I held the door for people, and I got the opportunity to show some people out. And I was the guy for the job. Brother Eastep referred to me as the bouncer of Charity Baptist. Four years. Some of you in here remember that, don't you? Amen. Don't be shy. Hey, there won't be a quiz. Amen. And uh, so I just, and I didn't, I don't do this evangelism with any more zeal than I gave being an usher. Because I just looked at it like this. Anything God lets you do, you just ought to do it the best you can. Amen. You ought to run all, he said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And so I'm telling you, Brother Steve, for number one, and others, some of you that are ushers and doorbeners, um, be careful because you just might find yourself on the road. I don't know. God might see that and, and call you. Amen. Uh, Brother Etep came to me one time and said, uh, 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 about four years into my salvation and my federal probation, I, the Sunday school teacher for the high school kids quit. He was frustrated. We had little rooms down in the basement, and he couldn't, he couldn't hold their attention. You know, he put 18 teenagers in this little room, and he'd get so frustrated that he couldn't, and I won't say his name, because you know him, and, uh, and he gets so frustrated that they would talk or cut up or sleep, whatever they did, and uh, he quit, and uh, I mean, he'd been saved 10 years longer than me, and Brother Etep had all the teenagers upstairs in adult class for a while, and uh, he never had any problem keeping people awake. I'm glad, I'm happy to report tonight, he never had any problem keeping me awake. Lord spoke through that man, just like he's speaking through this man. I know what I got here. I hope some of you got do. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, but finally he said, now, Brother David, you're, uh, you're uh, surrendered to preach, surrendered to, I got called to preach at Jimmy Hood's rescue mission, and, uh, and, uh, and I was taught you go through a door, and he asked me, he said, what do you think about teaching Sunday school? And I thought, boy, if the fellas could see this. <laughs> if he could go back about five years, and, and, and the guys in the club, 
Amen. I said, preacher, if you think, I'm going, what? <laughs> but I did. I surrendered to it. I went and did it. I did it for about a year. And your brother was Sunday school superintendent. You can check this out. And so they put all these kids in. Now they're going to get a new Sunday school teacher. I don't know if they knew who it was or not. But we got in this room. I shut the door. 18 kids. I shut the door. And I said, are we going to have a problem? <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> And we never had a problem. We had a blast. I had more fun than, with them than I did uh, ministering to some other people along the way. Amen. But uh, just try to do what God wants you to do. Philip started out with a good testimony, full of faith and of wisdom. And he, was, he had a good testimony because that wasn't just personal. Uh, the, they looked out amongst, I don't know how many, but they picked seven men. And uh, he rose to the top. It wasn't because he was an overachiever. It just had a good testimony. Uh, full of, it didn't say he's full of Bible knowledge and he's full of, no, he's just full of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That's what I'm shooting for. I've reached it a few times, but I hate to say, Brother East W say, our problem is we leak. <laughs> Amen. We can be full. Now, he's in there, but uh, we can be full, and uh, sometimes we can be not as full as we need to be. That's why we need preaching. That's why we need to read our Bible. That's why we need to respond to the Spirit of God when he moves in an altar call. Amen. And so Philip is uh, being used as an evangelist. He's called an evangelist. Amen. Brother, he said that, uh, brother, I know I mentioned his name a lot because that's just part of my early Christian life. Amen. Some of you don't know him and some of you do, but he was my friend and my pastor. And, uh, and I had a little problem at work and he said, uh, I got fired. And he said, I believe that. <laughs> He said, I believe God would use you in evangelism. And I went, really? I've been in the prison ministry for a couple of years. That was fun. <laughs> Amen. Preaching convicts, you know, hold the door open for people, yell at teenagers. I mean, I mean, share with teenagers. And then, and then but he says, I think God would use you in evangelism. And I've been going around the country giving my testimony. I had a thousand hours community service from the federal judge. That's a long story. But uh, that's fun too. But uh, I said, really? You think, I mean, I know convicts, that was easy. That was my crowd. I mean, they can take it. I said, you think normal people would let me come in and yell at them for an hour? I mean, to me, that evangelists, that's the ones I knew. That's what they did. They came to our church and yelled at us for an hour. Amen. And I got a lot of help, but I didn't think, you know, he said, David, I believe they would. He said, let's try the spirits and see if they be of God. Amen. And again, that was March 1997. Been full-time Ever since, praise the Lord. Now, I want to say this before I move on. Occasionally I hear this time to time last few years. I hear that the time of the evangelist has passed from the scene. Like you got uh, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers mentioned over there in Acts chapter 4. And, uh, and, I've, and I, I get wind of it of people that were trying to be evangelists and we're told, and nobody ever told me, nobody's ever met, said this to me directly, but they're told that uh, that's uh, going on out there. People are saying that uh, evangelists are passed from the scene like apostles and prophets, and that the only thing that's relevant to the body of Christ now is pastors and teachers. And, uh, and I wonder about that, and, and that could be true because, you know, in the last days it says they're going to heap to themselves teachers. Maybe that's Amen. I heard this too. I heard this too. I read a book by a guy I respect. He said the only people that are qualified to be evangelists are people that have pastored at one time so that they'll have an understanding. I went, 
does that mean you got to be a failure as a pastor before? I mean, that's what, that's what it's, are you kidding me? I wonder what Paul thinks about that. You know, he's a pretty good evangelist. I don't see him pastoring a church anywhere. And that list goes on. But I'm kind of venting, but I'm getting ready to get back uh, to the Bible. Uh, we'll go back to Acts chapter 8. And let me say this about the evangelist, because I'm obviously not done venting. Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary uh, uh, defines the word as a licensed preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but not having charge of a particular church. Now that sounds relevant to me. Amen. And the fact that I've got meetings scheduled up for years and years at a time sounds like it's relevant to some other people. I know it's relevant to my pastor. I know it's relevant to Dr. Ruckman, who put 11 years in as a pastor. Amen. I mean, as an evangelist. So I'm an evangelist. My wife and I, we're co-laborers together. Let me say this. Uh, uh, although we're supported monthly by some, uh, Anchor Baptist Church being one, you guys have been sending money to us for years. Thank you. It's greatly appreciated, especially when COVID shuts down the body of Christ. Amen. Not everywhere, thank God. Uh, but for a while, we were out of work. Uh, we had uh, surgeries, uh, replacement surgeries at the VA. Thank God that we had some monthly support. God took good care of us. We never uh, missed a payment or anything else like that. And uh, we thank the VA and all you taxpayers for paying your taxes to allow the VA to operate. Amen. Keep paying, too. At least for another 10, 15 years. After I die, you can do whatever you want. Amen. And uh, evangelist's job, of course, according to me, had something to do with stirring people up by putting them in remembrance. We're not here to... Uh, we don't go to church to church to tell people something they don't know. We're just bearing witness. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall a thing be established. So, amen. We constantly get people's pastors' wives are good at this. They'll go to my wife and say, you know, your husband preached on this, and people went to the altar, and he preaches on that all the time, and nobody ever does nothing. Sometimes they just need to hear it out of another yeah, mouth. Yeah. It's the same book. It's the same thing. We believe the same thing. And, uh, and uh, thank God we're supported monthly by some. We don't campaign for it at all. Uh, we're not missionaries to America. We're not. And uh, I would never consider myself that. I have the utmost respect and regard for foreign missionaries. And, uh, and uh, so if I'm in a church and I catch wind that they're struggling financially, and uh, before they come to me, I say to them, I go to the pastor, I say, look, you need to drop Susan and I so that you don't have to drop somebody on the foreign field. I'm just telling you, I understand how this works, and we have a better chance of replacing it. And besides, we get love offerings, usually. Sometimes we get like offerings. Because <laughs> I'm going like, I'm not feeling the love here, Pastor. You know what I mean? Anyway, amen. But uh, uh, Acts chapter, Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter next, Acts chapter 8. And I will say this, uh, we are home, away from home a lot. And we uh, home away from our family and our home church uh, for long periods of time, months and months, unless we break down, which this has been a great year for that. And uh, we some, sometimes face phenomenal challenges that only God can get us through, and he gets us through every time. And we deal constantly with uh, people that are very different than we are. I mean, we're normal people from the Midwest, but we deal with people, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i in New York City and California and Idaho and 
You, uh, uh, Hialeah, say, where's that? It's in Cuba, almost. And, uh, and, uh, and people have different mindsets about things. They have different tastes. They have different languages. They have different colloquialisms. They're very different. And uh, the reason I like doing this is because what we have in common is the blood of Jesus Christ. This is the brotherhood that Jesus Christ established. Our bond, our brotherhood comes from a bond because of our common faith in Jesus Christ, not because we like the same things or the same teams or we, you know, like the same foods. That's not what this is about. That's why I marvel at this. Amen. And, uh, and I got to say this, and I promise I'll have more notes, but I don't know. I got an extra page in there. Uh, uh, sometimes we're treated like celebrities going church to church. And let me tell you something. Uh, Susan Spurgeon and I uh, know that we are not celebrities in any way, shape, or form. And there's a Bible verse for that, and it says in Luke 17 and verse 10, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are committed, commanded you, say, We are unprofitable, unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. We've been called to do this. This is our duty. Whatever you're called to do, husband, wife, kid, pastor, jail, hospital, whatever you're called to do, that's your duty. Do it. Do it. We're all, the ground is level at the cross for service as well as salvation. Amen. Amen. And uh, the worst thing ever happened to a preacher, and I can say that because I've seen it done. Worst thing ever happened to a preacher, probably anybody, is to let all the nice things people say go to your head. Because pious as you can possibly uh, claim to be, your flesh likes it. And I've seen good men uh, get a bigger head than, uh, than they should. And gifted people uh, work themselves right out of the uh, servant, maybe not the ministry, but out of service for God. Because that book says before honor is humility. And the greatest disservice you can do to one of your favorite preachers that you admire so much is to forget their men too. Amen, amen. And I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about because I've seen people fall and scatter people. And I've seen some people come and go and my Savior ain't never even slipped up one time. Never caused me a reason to doubt or wonder if I'm where I'm supposed to be because the one I'm following never made a mistake, ain't going to make a mistake. Amen, amen. There's only one Christian celebrity. Can we agree on that? His name is above every name. At his name, every knee shall bow. His name is Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 8. I had to get through that. Verse 26, we'll read it again. The Bible says this, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Here's what you know. Here's what you know from that verse right there. Now, Philip is a what? He's an evangelist. So what do you know? He's been told by the angel of the Lord to head south. That means winter's starting to set in. Because everybody knows evangelists are supposed to head south when it starts getting cold. That's why I'm still here, because it's 50s. You know, if it turns cold, I'm out of here. Goodbye. Amen. But uh, amen. What you have right there is Philip's general call. It's his general call. He was saying to go toward a, a direction. Every Christian has a general call 
on their life. When you get saved, it says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, it says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, all Judea and in Samaria uh, uh, and under the uttermost part of the earth. That ain't a preacher's conference right there, buddy. That's an obligation for every born-again child of God. We are called to be witnesses. Amen. And if you read your Bible, you'll find out that we're to be ministers, ministers of uh, reconciliation. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives. Are you saved tonight? Amen. Then you're supposed to be a representative of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, so the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, you saw that? Let me ask you this. The angel of the Lord ever spoken to you? Amen. Have you ever asked him to? I mean, we preach in church week in and week out. Nobody responds to our altar calls like they used to. We just take our little notes. We put it back in our little Bible cover and we go out and we've heard so much good preaching uh, through the years. I mean, I wonder how have we come to church with a desire to hear from God? Amen. Because God will speak. God is not the one playing hard to get in this age, friends. Amen. It's us. Amen. We're so highly distracted. We got so much Bible knowledge. We got so much that we don't come to church anymore praying uh, before we get there. God, please speak to me tonight. And if we would, you'll find out that God can speak to you in a multitude of ways through a message uh, uh, on a topic you know better than the preacher knows. The Holy Spirit is not hindered by us. The Holy Spirit is only hindered by you. Did you catch that? Not by us. He's, they limited the Holy One of Israel in Psalm 78. If you don't come looking, you ain't going to find. All right, all right. Try to clean that up. Amen. And, uh, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, when you ask God for direction and he gives it, could I just say, that is so cool. I mean, I run around this country looking for thrills, and I probably experience things that you wouldn't even understand if I started. I'm not talking about the awful stuff, but, uh, boy, I've seen God move in a service. I've seen God move in people's lives, and I'll sit back, and I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. I should have gotten on this 20 years earlier. Because this is the coolest thing I've ever been a part of. Amen. And uh, when the Lord makes an impression on, on what, something he wants you to do or volunteer for, a direction he wants you to, to head, amen, submit to it. That's what Philip did. Then you'll find out in a couple of verses that uh, he got spoken to again. Amen. Maybe because he responded the first time. Amen. We want to pick and choose. Let him choose. Amen. That would have been a good place for an amen. Cliff, I'm, I'm going to get out of your way. Amen. Verse 27. Verse 27, we're in Acts chapter 8, and it says, And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, uh, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Philip was told by the Holy Ghost to get up and go, and he got up and he went. And here's what he found. He found a sinner in need. Amen. And of course, this guy's, uh, he's, uh, he's just been to this religious feast in Jerusalem. He's a proselyte. It's 1,600 miles one way from Abba Sababa. That's the capital of Ethiopia. I know you're impressed. I Googled it. I'll confess. Amen. And it probably even wasn't then, but I don't know. But 1,600, 1,600 miles one way in a chariot. That's 
That guy wanted to get to church. He's on his way home. He's on his way home. And God, he's reading his Bible and what he has, what Bible he has. He's reading, he's reading Isaiah. Don't want to get too far ahead. And, uh, and it's in Hebrew. And he's not a Jew. He's, a, he's, he's pretty smart. He's reading the scripture that he has access to in a foreign language. And Christians all across the United States, at least, have probably several King James Bibles in there, an inspired word of God laying around that bless God, we believe this and tuck it under our arm and we're not reading it uh, like we should. Somebody should amen that. Amen. amen. And uh, so you got this guy and Philip, uh, uh, he goes, he does what God said. He didn't say, well, what about? He's not like us. He just rose and went. Why? Well, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And uh, so he went and, uh, and he found a sinner. And I'll tell you what, if you'll be sensitive to the Spirit's call, like maybe even ask God, please touch my heart, speak to me. He might ask you to head a direction and maybe you won't understand why. And some of you are afraid it might be Gaza in the desert in the south. And it might just be Walmart. But if you go with an expectation uh, to be used of God, you know what he'll bring across your path? Sinners. Oh, yeah, I was at a restaurant today. Uh, Brother Barry asked me, how'd your day go? Everything went wrong, and then my wife got sick. Say, what'd you do? Man, I, I went and got a steak. That's my remedy when things go wrong. I go, and I had half an hour talking to some guy about the Bible and salvation, and I thought, well, I'm supposed to be in church, but oh, well. Cliff can go first if I don't make it back. Amen. But I made it back. I made it back. But there's opportunity. Sinners are everywhere. We're here to spread the gospel to sinners. Oh, this is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Can I tell you something? They're everywhere. Right. They're not hard to find. Amen. There's probably some in here. Amen. And I'm not just talking about saved sinners either. Amen. You might be in there tonight and you might not be saved. I'm not taking that for granted. I'll tell you this though, you need to be. If you ever get saved for real, you'll never regret it. You might regret the fact that you, uh, you know, sat there and clenched the pew as many times as you did. But that's all right. That's all right. God's long suffering. Praise the Lord for that. But this would be a good day to get saved, wouldn't it? Amen. Amen. So, so he went out and he found a sinner. And uh, again, they're everywhere. Uh, and sinners aren't hard to find, but too often we are. We're the ones that are hard to find. It says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 34, awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. He's talking to Christians in a church. He said, I speak this to your shame. Not time to wake up, Christians. Amen. Time to wake up. This isn't a, Brother Joe said it perfectly uh, yesterday morning. This ain't a club. This ain't a social organization. Amen. We're the church of the living God. Amen. All right, it says there in verse 28, and he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and read Isaiah the prophet. He's reading Isaiah. And so you got a religious man returning home from a religious pilgrimage. I already told you about the mileage. And uh, boy, if it ain't bad enough that we live in a world without God, without Christ, without hope, we also have a world full of religion. Full of religion. Guy gave me a note one day that said, religion is all the ways that man has come up with to go to hell. Amen. Because Jesus said, I am the way. But religion will give you a million other ways to dedicate your life to that will all end you, up, end you up in the wrong place. Amen. And if there's something common to every mission, uh, missionary's presentation that I remember, and I saw a lot of them in the early years when I was home all the time, 
um, uh, is the religion of this country, the predominant religion and religious influence in the country, whether it's New Guinea or the Ukraine. I learned things about uh, uh, back in, I don't know, maybe, I don't know when it was, sometime this year, maybe in May, where your dad preached, Brother Ben, and, uh, and I learned more about religious Im impact, influence, in the Ukraine, and I ever knew, I didn't know, amen, but that's what you see, that's what's common. You know, some of you had to weed through, wade through religion to get to the truth, to become uh, truly born again, and uh, amen. I, I didn't have that problem. I, I, I think I had an advantage just by being an old, being old he, heathen, drunkard, dope addict. I didn't have to unlearn anything. Yeah. I wouldn't have any self-righteousness in yeah. me. I was a sinner, sure enough. I was working on my doctorate degree, almost there. Jesus stepped in and saved me, amen. Amen. Praise God. If you're here, we got people in every church I preach at that come from there. Some are Catholics. I've had preach to Mormons, former Mormons, former Jehovah Witnesses, former Baptists. You know, I'm going to tell you what, Baptists go to the same hell everybody else does if they die without Jesus Christ. So there's a religious guy, but again, he's looking for the truth. And the Spirit of God, verse 29, notice, took notice of that. Uh, then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself uh, to this chariot. So he's talking to him again. And uh, he'll talk to you again if you'll heed what he says the first time. Right. Sometimes he'll throw something out there, impress your heart on something, use one or two or three witnesses, uh, to, and you discard that because that's not what you wanted to do. And then you find out, well, gee, God has spoke to me in a long time. Well, why, why should he? I mean, if you're not submitted, why should he? Amen. Now God gives a lot of chances. I get that. But I'm trying to help you tonight. You listening to me? Wow. Am I in a Baptist church? Or is this like, did you change the sign to Methodist? Did who, who pushed the buttons on that electric sign? And, and okay, moving on, moving on. This is his specific call. We had a general call. We all have a general call if you're a born-again child of God. Now he got a specific call. He was told, and uh, he was told to go uh, join himself to this specific guy. Verse 30 says, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Two things to notice. He ran. He ran toward him. He ran thither. That word doesn't work in my mouth all that well. I don't even feel comfortable, but you know what it means, right? He ran toward him. That's what he lived for. That's what you and I ought to live for. An opportunity, an open door. Amen. He's got a guy. He's reading scripture. He's not just standing in the middle of the interstate throwing out cards. I'm not talking about being stupid. But here's a, not clearly an opportunity. Here he is in a revival in Caesarea, and all of a sudden now he's in the desert, and there's a guy there reading his Bible, and he had a backbone to say, understand it's what thou readest. Yeah. He wasn't afraid he was going to offend him. Yeah. Amen. 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 Well, that's why we don't talk sometimes like we should. We're afraid of how they're going to take it. You ever wonder how they're going to take a lake of fire? You ever wonder what it's going to be like when the Lord at the great white throne turns around and looks you in the eye when your name came up at the great white throne as the co-worker of somebody that died without Christ and he says, well, I worked at so-and-so and they never told me about this. You know, in the judgment hall, how Jesus turned around and looked at Peter. Yeah, I don't want that happening to me at the judgment. I don't want my name coming up at the judgment seat of Christ as somebody's excuse for not getting saved. Say, yeah. hey, do you think it'll be like that? Show me why it wouldn't. Yeah. Amen. I ain't taking no chances. Amen. 
All right, so he wasn't afraid of his reaction. Uh, the stakes were too high. Souls are too important for us to be, worry about being correct politically or any other way. Amen. Verse 31. I'm trying to hurry. And he said, now Peter, or sorry, Philip had asked him, understand us what thou readest. And it says in verse 31, and he said, how can I? Except some man should guide me. And he desired Philip uh, that he would come up and sit with him. Thank God that this guy gave an honest response to Philip's question. Amen. Amen. He didn't look down at Philip. Now, this guy's probably decked out pretty good, probably had like a really fancy Mercedes chariot with fancy horse. I mean, he's the treasure of a country, probably well-dressed and all that. Philip, you know, if he's like the rest of us, he's, you know. <laughs> and uh, thank God this rich guy didn't look down and say, uh, run along, Sonny. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got that could help me? I've seen that happen. I've had that happen. I've had track turned down on the street downtown here in Dayton years ago, and uh, businessmen would come down, and they would just kind of mock us street preaching and wouldn't take a track, you know, and then uh, go down about 25 feet. My little girl, Evie, be about eight years old, and she'd go, can I give you something about my daddy? And they'd go, oh, yes, honey, thank you, and I'd laugh all the way to the bank. Yeah. Amen. Sometimes people that are, 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 are fortunate, blessed, intelligent, whatever you want to say, uh, uh, they, don't, they, don't, uh, they don't want, they look down on us. This guy didn't do that. He gave an honest answer to the question and said, how can I accept some man should guide me? You know what he could have said? You know what I've heard said many, many times uh, doing public uh, personal work? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Can I give you something to read about the Lord Jesus? I'm good. And no, they ain't. I had a guy in uh, Oswego, New York one time. He said, uh, he said uh, I said, can I give you something to read about what Jesus Christ did for me? He said, what God had ever done for me? And I said, take a breath, dummy. <laughs> that's right. I know that's not, I know my technique needs a little work. But uh, that's the truth, man. God doesn't owe us the breath we're breathing. Amen. So he said, how can I, except some man uh, should guide me. And uh, thank God for an honest man. And had not some man come along this guy, he would have remained religious, probably continued reading the scripture that he had and going to church and going to fest the feasts and doing whatever he needed to do. And he could have done all that stuff, been a good man the rest of his life. And then when he died, he went straight to hell. Had not some man that was able to guide him come along. And uh, just like millions of Americans are going to do if you and I allow ourselves uh, to be distracted by the cares of this life. And that's a long list. We don't have time to go into all that. But I'll tell you what, Christians, born again, eternally secure, King James Bible believers, I listen to conversations as I make my way to churches week in and week out. And a lot of the conversations don't have anything to do with what the Lord's doing. Amen. And I understand we're here. It was given to us real good yesterday. I understand that. But, buddy, this world's got to see something in us different, uh, be ready, always give an answer to every man that asks a reason of you or the hope that is in you. And why in the world are they going to see, what would they see to ask about? You follow me? Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, and uh, this country, they need our help. Amen. And uh, we can't be deceived into thinking just uh, coming to church or, or living by the do's and don't list. 
That's what I was talking to Brother Chris about yesterday. People think they act like they're doing God a favor by going to church and not doing this and not celebrating this and not going there. And you really, you think you're doing God a favor? Amen? Let me tell you what, the world's going to die and go to hell if we adopt or continue to live in that kind of deception. Amen. I'll tell you what, we have got saved, Bible believer, all that. We have got to walk it like we talk it, like, you know, Monday through, you know, amen. Or we're not going to make any difference at all. Amen. To the rest of the world, we're just another social organization. And Brother Joe named off about five, and there's 25 more. And they don't need that. You got your thing, I got mine. No, I got Jesus Christ, and you better get him before you die. Verse 32, and I'll just uh, summarize the next couple verses. He reads them Isaiah uh, 32, or 53, in verses 32 through 34. And then verse 35, it says, And Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He didn't start with a list of everything he was doing wrong or everything he ought to change in his life. He went right to telling him about the only person that did everything right every single time. Amen. When I was called to preach in the rescue mission there years ago, I asked the pastor when I got back, what do I do now? I was waiting to get sentenced to prison. He said, we'll send you tapes. (laughs) You got a lot of time. He says, uh, I said, what do I do now? And he says, uh, you, di- you need to go to the Bible Institute as long as you can. We'll send you tapes. You need to learn what the Bible says. People don't need to know your opinion on stuff. They, don't need, they need to know what the book says. They need to know about Jesus Christ. We're welcome to have our own thoughts and opinions. Amen. I'm glad for that. We do have a liberty in Christ. But uh, at the end of the day, this is the guidebook. We're supposed to go by the book, and the book tells us what, we're, what the, our priorities are supposed to be. Amen. And, uh, and uh, so they need Jesus Christ, but I'll tell you that's not all they need. They need you and me uh, 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 to live like we really believe what we claim to believe. Amen. You know, for some reason, the word hypocrite, for some reason, the word hypocrite is usually only applied to religious people. That's not a word I heard a whole lot. You know, you're hearing it now in politics a little bit, but, uh, but it always had to do with people that claim to be goody two-shoes and, you know, and uh, you may not like the word religion, but that's how the lost world looks at us. That's a danger. All these Catholic priests and all that stuff was going on. You're thinking, yeah, yeah, the Catholic. This world doesn't see any difference between a Catholic or a Baptist. So anything that brings bad press uh, to religious people has an effect on us. I was street preaching in South Beach. Uh, that's in uh, southern Miami, October of 1991, one month after 9-11 with Rich Barnett. He was down there, and we're down there street preaching. We got a big area and about five corners and uh, taking turns, doing it right, and a guy pulls up on a bicycle, and he listens for about a second. Paul Garcia's out there yelling, the wages of sin is death, the wages of sin is death. I thought it was great. And he goes, He's getting agitated. He goes, this is about religion? Is that what this is? This is religion? That's the problem with the world. He was, I mean, he was acutely aware of what had happened at 9-11, and they were religious zealots from some other. And to him, man, it was no difference. He said, religion is the problem with the world. And that's how some of them think about it. And religion is a problem. But I'll tell you what, we need, again, we need to 
walk like we believe what we're talking about. We need to learn enough Bible so we can do this thing according to the book. Jesus Christ came to seek and save that which was lost. And again, there's no shortage. Amen. So, that thing about uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, going, it started with Jerusalem, went to the uttermost part of the earth, and uh, and, uh, you know, your Bible says in Romans, 4, Romans 10 and verse 14, there at the end it says, How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, I got a burden for Americans. God has called me to America. I know my country's a mess. I don't apologize for loving my country. I'm a veteran. I know the answer to America's problems. And it's Jesus Christ. It was the answer to my problem. And we win, you know, a few, then let's win a few. But I'm going to tell you what, uh, God didn't just die for America, did he? And there's millions and millions of people all over this world that will die. They're in darkness. They will die and go to hell unless we get behind the people that he calls to send. If we'll surrender, who knows? I mean, there was a time where every once in a while he called somebody to the mission field. I haven't seen that in a while. But I'll tell you what, we've all got a duty to pray for these folks and to prayerfully ask God about what we can do to help them. Because, friends, their soul's in the balance all over the world. Let's all stand. I'm done. I I'm apologize if I took too long. Amen. Wanted to say some of that stuff. Let me just say, you're in here today, and you want to do something for God. We say it, you know. I want to do something for God. Let me just say, he'll let you. He'll take a 37-year-old dopehead federal convicted felon that'll surrender his sin uh, 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 to Calvary and then surrender his life on an old-fashioned altar and say, God, here am I, and I'll do whatever you say. And he took me up on the offer, and it's been the greatest ride of my life. So far, far from done, Lord willing. Amen. He'll use anybody. You know, it's a thing that we see, Brother Cliff and I traveling around. There's people in churches that are saved younger, have a much cleaner testimony, could do much more for God than somebody like me. And they don't even consider surrendering. It's almost like they're afraid to surrender. You're missing out. And I'm not calling anybody to anything. But I'm telling you, you need to lift up your eyes and look on the fields because there's more going on than what's in your hand or what's on your desk. Amen. Hope you don't miss out. Preacher, go ahead. Amen, amen, amen. Father, thank you for your blessings. Uh, thank you for that message, Lord. That's a great message. Uh, Lord, I pray that you give us ears that will hear and a heart that will understand. Uh, again, Father, thank you for the blessings. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Uh, what he just said was a very true statement. Uh, the hardest thing you'll get a Christian to do is to be faithful to be a Christian.